Hello and welcome to the Living in Jesus podcast. My name is Ross O'Hare and I'll be your host today. Living in Jesus is a podcast designed to explore the depths of what it means to live a grace-filled life with Jesus as the focus. On today's podcast, we're going to take a moment to take a deeper journey into the world of our flesh. As we discussed in episode 7, the flesh is the earthly ways we try to make life work for us that leaves us bankrupt, empty, and exposes our futile attempts to live apart from Christ. This week, our efforts will be more focused on our own unique flesh patterns that have emerged from our own struggle to be gods of our own life. The patterns, though unique to each one of us, are at the same time common to all humanity. Today, we will work out why it is important to expose the bankrupt and counterfeit life our flesh grasps for, as well as what it is each of us have learned in in inspecting our own unique flesh pattern. I hope through our discussion, transparency, and vulnerability, we will give each of you a clear window into discovering your own flesh patterns and gaining freedom from the strongholds and snares that so easily entangle us all. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. With that said, I hope you enjoy today's podcast, and here we go. Joining me today is Ben Brezina. Hey, Ross. Mark Fields. Hey, Ross. And Tom Price. How are you guys doing? Afternoon, Ross. Good. Good to be here. Awesome. So we are going back over our flesh. So as we discussed in episode seven, we kind of discussed what the flesh is and kind of describe that more. So if you missed that one, go back and hear it. But today we're going to kind of go over why it's important to look at what our unique flesh patterns are. So flesh patterns are on face value, not a thrilling topic or one people flip through the Living in Jesus study to read ahead and try to go over. But partly that is the reason people don't let's do that. It's because when you're talking about your flesh, it can bring up old negative emotions, negative thoughts, things like that that go on in our minds. So why is it important for us to look at our flesh? Tom, I'll start with you. Well, if you're walking down a path and let's say there's a big root going over the path and you trip over it and you keep walking, next day you walk down the same path and you trip over the same route, and the next day you trip over the same route, I think after a while you'd want to go, you know what, I need to know that there is a route there I keep tripping over Mm. so I can stop tripping over. In the same way, when we're operating from the flesh, it's like tripping over that route. It messes us up. We're not living from the freedom that we're designed for. We're not experiencing Christ's life in those moments. We're walking by sight instead of walking by faith. Yeah, I have a similar example, except mine was actual um, experience. of My steps going down to my basement are wooden. And over time, uh, a nail can work itself up, you know, and, mm. and stick up maybe a sixteenth of an inch. And I'd go to, of course, the basement barefoot all the time. Mm. And each time I would hit that, I'd say, Dang. You know, and I just keep on going because I had something I was working on. I yeah. go back upstairs. Well, yeah, after about the 13th time of doing this, I realized I need to just go get my hammer, stop, and pound that thing. In fact, I took mm-hmm. it out and put a screw down there. <laughs> but that may mess up this analogy, but I dealt with the issue because I was just repeating it until I recognized what was going on and did something about it. Yeah. You know, you get different different reasons, but I think one is some people struggle that haven't had a lot of traumatic events in their past and their life is pretty good right now. And they think they're doing pretty good compared to everybody else. And they may, 
even have deceived themselves into thinking maybe I don't have any flesh patterns mm-hmm. or there's nothing really in my life that that's going out. So there's definitely some people that have habitual sins. And yeah. I think the more we've examined our own life, then those sins become more real to us. But I think it's easy to deceive ourselves into thinking we, we're doing pretty good. So that that's one option. But then the other option, like these guys have said, is when we face something that we've tried to stop doing and we can't stop doing it, it's time to stop and look and say, why am I doing it? What's the belief system behind it? Hmm. And that's really what we're doing here. We're not trying to stop sinning or trying to stop something painful in the effort of the flesh. We want to get to the belief system behind it. And if you don't get to belief system behind it, then you're going to keep doing the same behavior because belief is driving that behavior. I want to say that the person that you described who says, hey, I've, I've, I've got a great life and, and I'm doing just okay, they're the only ones thinking that about themselves. Everybody else, everybody else is looking <laughs> right. at them and going, man, yeah. I wish they would see this, uh-huh. this root they keep tripping over. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, well, and that's my story, that belief drives behavior. And my previous model of correction was um, behavior modification through willpower. Mm-hmm. And I focused on the symptomatic behaviors and said, just stop doing that. Just mm-hmm. don't let the words come out and withhold them, but the anger was still there. And my own story, too. I said, well, there's nothing. I heard other people's stories. I wasn't. I did, this didn't happen. That didn't happen. I had a very normal, hmm. nice life, but I call my story death by a thousand cuts. Hmm. It was just a little rejection here, the little hurt there, the little yeah. pain there, and it all accumulated. And when I've recognized the lie, then that was the key to stopping the whole process. Yeah, so obviously recognizing our flesh patterns is about beliefs and how they drive our behaviors. But to me, it's... The question I kind of want to get to at the bottom of this is, well, why is it important to figure that out? Because the process of figuring that out can also be painful, right? We're Mm -hmm. trying to avoid, like you guys have said, a root or a nail. Well, sometimes the actual process of figuring out what I believe can be very painful. And I think that's a barrier that a lot of people have. So why, why would I want to subject myself to thinking about painful memories again and bringing all that back up? Well, the flesh, anything we do out of the flesh is sin. Sin always leads to death and destruction. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. I mean, it's going to cause problems. All the chaos in our relationships, frustration, anger, bitterness, wrath, all that stuff is coming from fleshly behavior, whether somebody's committed against us or we're responding out of it. And uh, it's just clogging up our relationships and keeping us from experiencing the love, joy, and peace that we've been designed to, to function in. And so, yes, it is going to be a journey together, and it could be painful. We can talk more about the pain later in in the session. We talk about Mm -hmm. the pain and where that comes from. But, yeah, I mean, if we don't go through it, we're not going to experience that healthy relationship with ourselves, with our God, and with each other. Hmm. I had a knee replaced and a hip. Um, I guess that wasn't so painful because they put me out. Mm. But if, as I woke up, if I didn't go through therapy, which hurt like crazy, mm. trying to get maximize your your range of motion yeah. and work out the scar tissue, yep. then I'd have just been right back to where I was, all locked up in the you know worse than the previous condition. So yeah, the pain does heal, and it's necessary. Yeah, nobody likes pain. Everybody wants to avoid pain, but you know, if I go to the dentist, and I don't like going to the dentist yeah. because pain is always going to be involved. But I go to the dentist because it's it's not just the right thing to do, it's the healthy thing to do. And the benefit of going through the pain is so much better. Hmm. And so for me to stop and look at 
the beliefs that drive my behavior. Yeah. Yes, it's going to be painful because it's going to bring up memories. But what happens to me on the other side of that is so beautiful and so healing. Mm. And so, yeah, that's why you would submit yourself to the pain. It's ironic. We've been running from pain our whole lives. That's how we developed our flesh. Mm -hmm. yeah. So now it has to be so bad that we're willing to stop and really just reflect on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think what we need to remember, we need to remember that this is an exercise we do by ourselves mm -hmm. to go into our memories and look at the things we've messed up and what we're doing. This is, uh, this is a relational activity with God. Mm -hmm. And the focus is mind renewal with the truth. So we're going for the not just the painful emotions, we're going for the false beliefs that are driving some of that and then driving our behavior. And we want to allow God to speak truth into those areas. So I think changing that mindset, oh, we're going to go and dig up a bunch of memories and talk about failures and successes and stuff. No, it's, it's more about going into this with God in a relational aspect and addressing that, God, where am I not believing truth? What lies have I learned in my childhood and even in my last year? What lies have I learned that I'm clinging to instead of believing truth in this area and, and the consequences, what consequences is it having in my life? I think it's, it would be important then to kind of uh, clarify for those listening is we've talked about beliefs driving our behavior, but why is it so painful? And this may be an obvious duh question, but why is it so painful to go back and look at our flesh and the things that we've been through, the painful memories? Why does it remain so difficult years later or to look at this? Why can that even be a possibility? Well, when you're, when you're talking about flesh you're, you're connecting that with sin, which is wrongdoing, mm -hmm. right? And so, oft, so often wrongdoing is connected with shame. And shame has a so, social component to it. Yeah. So if I have done something that other people will look down on me, consider me less, put me down, make fun of me, if they found out about it or would shun me, like there's a strong desire to try to hide that, suppress it, put it away. That's what shame does. And so... When we go to those areas where we may have failed or been hurt with a wounded message and you bring that out again, it speaks right to that shame. Nobody likes to feel less than. We're all born with a need to be loved, accepted, and feel worthwhile. So that's where the pain, I think, the, a strong part of the pain comes from is that going to things we've done that haven't been right tend to lead to feelings of shame that are, we'll do whatever we can to get out of that feeling. It's not a pleasant experience. You know, it can shut us down. It can cause responses, physical responses in our body. Hmm. It's just not something we're designed to live with, a deep sense of shame. Yeah. Mm. I think, too, it's fear of losing control. And again, the summation of the flesh behaviors is to gain control. Yeah. And I finally thought I semi had it. If I go down this road, I may break down and weep. He, God may ask me to do something of a public, I don't know what he'll want. Mm. And I don't want to go there. I'm afraid to even find that out. So yeah. I get to give an example of what Ben was talking about a few years ago, 
there was a particular class here on a Tuesday night ADT class, and the subject was it was a difficult subject. And as I was listening to the presenter, uh, an old memory from when I was very young popped up in my head. And it was an uncomfortable memory, and it was actually a memory that really wasn't clear at all. I mean, I couldn't remember it. De- I just it was more like the idea of it mm-hmm. than than the actual details of it. And like Mark said, there was fear there, but there was also shame associated with that memory. And my first response was to listen to the the lies of the enemy and, oh, there's something wrong with me, and I can't believe that I could have done something like that. And for the next day, I just lived in this shame and fear. And then finally, you know, God, what do I do about this? And then he reminded me just simply, you're forgiven you're not condemned. I've made you a new creature. And, mm. and, you know, he reminded me of the truth. And that began to bring healing into my soul. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue because my next question is, you know, obviously we're in episode 15 here or session 15 mm-hmm. in the Living in Jesus podcast, I guess, episode 16. And I'm curious as to why this is in the study now, right? Why are we talking about the 16 ses- episodes in why is this necessary in this point? Because obviously we've discussed a ton of other topics. So how do those other topics then need to be all put together to make this applicable and doable and healthy to be able to look at your flesh patterns and allow God to show you what, what those are? When I first learned about exchange life counseling, the model that I was taught, you dealt with the flesh right up front. And it was very difficult. And then you would follow it up with the truth of identity and God's grace, uh, which was good. But I think it's much easier to deal with the flesh after you understand who you are. Get that security Mm -hmm. in place. Know who you are. Know who God says you are. And then deal with the flesh patterns because the flesh patterns are not you. You may do sure. these things. And yeah. I know in the world we live in, the world's always saying what you do is who you are. But that is not the truth. Yeah. And understanding your flesh just helps you to keep, as we've already talked about, keep repeating the same thing over and over. Because you were always asking ourselves in those in those situations, why do I keep doing this? Yeah. And this answers the question. So mm-hmm. it's a need to know who you are. So that's the identity. And then, guys, what else? What else do we need to bring into this? Well, and to Tom's point of the old model, and I'll do this sometimes with a person because that looking at your flesh per, first brings them to a conclusion that I am a failure. Hmm. Look at my life. I've made a mess of it. I need to be broken and understand that this system doesn't work before they're even willing to open themselves up to identity. And if I get a person who's really resistant identity and the truth, and, it, and then you bring them to the point that let's, let's look at why you do what you do hmm. and what that's like. But then back to where it became, and Ben's going to add to this too because I think Ben had a... a a major part of putting it further back, but we need to establish your identity. I mean, the first part of living in Jesus is the design and the fall, and they're not ready to go there yet. And then they need to understand their true identity, and life comes from God alone. And we almost put it right after identity, but then we thought, no, there needs to be some more exploration of this new life in Christ, intimacy and growth and fruit and such, and the the battle, then you realize, oh, wow, that enemy is stronger than I thought. Now it's time to look at your flesh. Mm. Yeah, the identity is definitely 
important because uh, Tom mentioned this, but it's drilled in us from when we were born that what we do is who we are. Mm-hmm. And it's not just who, what we do, it's what the reaction we get from other people too. So it's a, mm, yeah. it's a combination there. And when we start looking at that, which is what we're doing in this session, maybe you've had good responses or bad responses from people, but you've used that feedback to develop a self-concept, which is not the biblical economy. The biblical economy is, I'm your creator, God says. I made you. I created you in Christ Jesus, and I've given you an identity as my child. You're fully loved, accepted, righteous, not because of what you've done, but because of what I've done and you've received as a gift. And so you have to understand the salvation, the, the great exchange, all these topics that we do in order to get to the identity. And then you got to stand on that as we enter this process of looking at our behavior and the feedback we've gotten in life. Not only that, though, there's also this idea of needs. Part of this process of believing truth is going to be shifting where we're getting our needs met from. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, maybe we've been looking to this person, and they've done this or not done this to us, and we're going to be wrestling with that. Well, we have to, in order to be able to move past, we need to know our identity, but we also need to know that we go to God to meet our needs mm-hmm. and that the other people will not ever be able to meet those needs. So that goes all the way back to the very beginning. And then our purpose, they all work in here. Our purpose is not to try to get other people to love us, accept us, and make us feel like we're worth more than a million dollars. Our purpose in life is to receive God's love and share it with others. Jesus said, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so that's, he had his needs met And he was coming to give love to others regardless of how they treated him. And so that's what we're being transformed in our mind into thinking we got a new purpose. And so all these things have been building up to this point. Now it's time to bring them into our personal life and say, where am I at personally? What am I believing that may not line up with this? And what is God saying to me about moving forward? One of my favorite sessions before this one is Intimacy with God, Session 11. And even just this morning, as I was getting ready to come to work, I was thinking about a particular issue that I struggle with. And so I just simply asked God, God, why is this such a struggle for me? And guess what he did in that moment? Mm-hmm. He spoke to me. He put his His words in my heart and mind and it was not condemning, it was not guilting or shaming. It was just simply, Tom, because you're believing something that's not true. Mm. And, yeah. and there's no shame in that yeah. in that voice. And so in that moment, I'm I'm yes, I'm I have the opportunity to deal with the lie, but I have the opportunity to deal with it in relationship with my heavenly father. And, you know, I think a lot of times when we think about somebody drumming up old memories, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. There's a potential that we can 
believe those lies still. Like those, you know, we can we could even identify the lie, but then continue to believe it. And I think it's good that we have the truth then built up already of who we are, what, who God is, mm-hmm. how those things work together, what He's done to us, so that when we can identify the lie, we then have something to replace the truth. We have something to replace it with, which is the truth. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as I think about this, you know, some people might not might not even know how to identify their flesh. You know, that that's a difficult or can be a difficult thing to do because it's how everybody operates for so long, right? It's it's almost a natural thing. So how let's be practical here for people listen. How do we actually do that? How do you identify a flesh pattern within yourself? Well, this is not something a fleshly activity that you got to figure out either. So if you if you don't understand it, first you can go to God and ask him like Tom said, what you know, what's going on here? Show me this. Another thing is you talk to somebody who's done it and understands their own flesh patterns and the lies that they've been programmed to believe. It is difficult when you're first starting. It's hard to get you wrapped. A lot of people have suppressed their emotions. Mm-hmm. I've In my life, I've tended to suppress my emotions. Any negative emotion, I just try to tamp it down and don't pay attention to it because it's not it's uncomfortable. And so we're not in tune with our emotions. In the session, we've included some cheat sheets. So you can look at the cheat sheets and analyze, you know, and ask God to show you different emotions that you felt in that moment. You can also, if you have no idea what fleshly behavior looks like, we have three pages Mm -hmm. of common fleshly examples that are there that you can look through and mark. And there's a checkbox you can see. And the thing is to do is to be honest because... As Tom said, you are fully accepted, and it's not based on whether you've been fleshly or not. God knows exactly what your flesh patterns are, mm. and He wants to reveal them just as much or more probably than we want to. We want to see it. Um, and just a note on that, we'll we'll add a link on the show notes down here at the bottom. So if you guys have no idea what we're talking about in terms of cheat sheets, we'll have a link so where you can look at those as well. To to Ben's point too, a person anyone could say, God, what's wrong with me? What's going on here? Psalm 139, search me and know my thoughts and see if there's any hurtful way in me. And God will and may take them there um, in and of themselves. But it is such a difficult journey. And it does need some hand-holding, some guidance, someone to come alongside you and call that out and walk you through. Even if you were given this chart and you just said, I'm going to start this, the enemy is going to have... Uh, take every opportunity to stop you short of finding out the lie identity there and the identity statement, the false identity statement that you've been tripped up on. Yeah. And so as in, as in as is in the book, we have a step-by-step process. And as a person is discipling another, um, they can tell them their own story, maybe walk with them a, a couple of events. And then, yeah, maybe in the future, and this is still my lifelong journey. I'm still, like Tom did this morning, taking this process. I know how the pathway, though, mm-hmm. and I know where God takes it, and I can take it directly to Him without relying on somebody else. Yeah. But um, there is a chance that a person buying this book and looking at themselves can do this their own, and we've given them every instruction we can for that. But, boy, the value of relationship in this whole process, mm-hmm. a safe relationship, yeah. is crucial. And when you're first starting out, it is much easier to have another person with you who has gone there before you to help you because mm-hmm. a lot of times you don't recognize the things that are obvious because you've seen them a certain way for so long yeah. and the other person who's not inside your head you know they're not you they can see it it's more obvious to them yeah. and so I would encourage anybody who wants to understand their flesh patterns to find somebody 
who can sit down with them and, and help them work through this. Yeah. All right. So the purpose that we have behind, obviously, exploring and looking at our flesh patterns is to expose the lies that we're, li- we're, we're believing, lies that we have believed, um, whether it's been thoughts from Satan or words from other people or experiences that we've had that have been negative on our lives that we've believed the lie. And so part of our process is trying to identify that lie and replace it with the truth. But that process can be difficult. It's hard to navigate that. You know, I know Proverbs says a man is like deep water, like a man's thoughts, a man's life is like deep water. It's hard to navigate our histories, our pasts, our thoughts, our emotions. So what are some of the pitfalls and issues and things that derail people from actually being able to do this and gain healing and freedom from it? I think, you know, a big thing is being honest. You know, when I first sat down to do this, it was really hard for me to be honest. I went through the checklist, the three-page checklist, and to and to be honest, even with myself. And the more honest I got is the more I thought, man, I hope nobody sees this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it gets back to that deep sense of shame that mm. comes with things that we've done or things we're believing inside and we're not doing. And, you know, some people don't have shame. They don't have those feelings of shame. They're, they're more tended towards the narcissistic end. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of people, the, the shame is a real powerful thing that keeps us from being honest. That's why we lie. We try to hide things that we think that other people will use against us or, or reject us with, or will, will, it'll be painful for us. And so I think that to me, that's one big hindrance to being able to do this is to be honest. But Jesus said that those who love the light come to the light to see if their deeds are wrought in God. And he's the light. And so we're coming to a person like Tom said. We're not coming to just expose ourselves. We're coming to a person who loves us, who accepts us fully. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Mm-hmm. And he's already accepted us in Christ. He's already gave his life for us. And to me, that knowing that has helped mm-hmm. me overcome that barrier. Getting established in my identity has helped me be more honest about where I really am and where I'm really struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a pitfall, even though we put it at session 15, and you can tell the other person over and over, this is not who you are. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to identity. It's still the enemy wants to drag them into the concept of this is who I am. And I'm still so ashamed of that, yeah. which is why a lot of times they'll come up with a defense, but I'm much better at this. But mm-hmm. I've overcome that. Yeah. And sometimes if they have a 30 check marks on that manifestation sheet, their goal is to get it to 15. Mm. and then down to 10, and your goal is not to improve that sheet. It's always going to be what it is. <laughs> yeah. Your goal is to deny that sheet and mm. replace with the truth. That's crazy. Well, yeah, yeah that, that reminds me, when, when we start feeling shame, there's like this little attorney inside of all of us that rises <laughs> yeah. up and says, but, you know, this, mm. but that, you know. You and, uh, and it is. It's, that's a powerful mechanism there that we try to counteract shame in the flesh is blaming, excuses, mm. and in order to really get to the heart of our belief, we have to let go of those blame, let go of the excuses, all the flesh patterns, and get down to the belief. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't look at it like it's an exercise. And I think that trips up a lot of people as they look at it like it's a test they got to take. And you've got to, you know, when you take a test, you've got to pass the test. Mm. And so you got to do it the right way. And as you're coaching someone through it and you say, well, how'd that make you feel? And they start telling you what they did or what somebody else did. Um, well, no, how did that make you feel? And, and then they start giving you words that have nothing to do with emotions. 
So there's blind spots as people are working their way through that. One of their coping mechanisms is I stuff emotions. <laughs> I stuff them. Exactly. I, stuff them. I, I can't, I can't do that. So e- even in saying, correcting that, there's that, oh my gosh, I'm failing the test. I'm, I'm failing this exercise right now and they don't want to keep going. So since it's not a test, what is the actual ultimate goal of doing it then? What would you deem then a success in doing this process? I would say experiencing intimacy with God and your freedom from being enslaved to the fleshly patterns that lead to sin and destruction. That is a great point because I even myself up to this point have thought of this as a, a, an exercise to identify failure or repetition to avoid it. Mm. But no, the whole point is to draw intimacy. We should put this in session 11 as one of the ways <laughs> to grow intimate with God more. Identify yeah. your flesh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the way I saw that lived out just recently, I heard someone share a, a lot of their story. And there was, there was shameful, hurt, hurtful things in their story. But as I sat and listened to them tell their story, I realize this person is free. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. they're not bound by these these things as their secrets that, that they can't get out. I can't let anybody know this. Yeah. And you saw the freedom just oozing out of them. You saw the intimate relationship with God coming from their being. Yeah. I think this is a process that God is already doing in us. It's just this is a, a way we found to, to partner with God and, and yeah. engage Him in this, you know. And I, when, so when I think about exposing the flesh and how God does it, I think about the story of Peter. And Jesus already knew exactly what was in his heart, what he did, his flesh patterns, which was to boast. When he got fearful and shame and experiencing shame, he would get loud and boast and like, I'll never deny you, you know, mm. and he would, he, he would throw his other disciples under the bus, say, <laughs> they'll deny you, but I'll never will, you know, and compare. And Jesus already knew everything and he knew what it would take. It would take being exposed for Peter to see it himself. Mm. And that was done through the denying Jesus. The night that he was betrayed, he denied him and man, it crushed him when he realized what he had done, it, it brought him to that brokenness. Yeah. But Jesus loved him all the way through it. And he said, I, I'm praying for you. He told him beforehand, mm. uh, you know, Satan is asked to sift you like wheat, but I'm praying for you and you're going to be restored and you're going to encourage your brothers. And so Jesus is there with us going through this, uh, you know, exposing our flesh, bringing us to that brokenness mm. point where we no longer rely on it. And then we can step into uh, the love of God, and you can see the transformation in Peter when he receives the Holy Spirit and the boldness that he has now, and it's coming from his weakness and God's strength. Hmm. Well, so, uh, you know, as we keep going forward, then, I'm, you know, I'm going to have you guys share a little bit of your journey in discovering your flesh with the with God and in this journey you guys have had, but I just want to kind of reiterate with people that what we're doing and the reason we think this is important is because we, we want, like Ben said, is for you to have a more intimate relationship with God. And it's weird how it works, but a lot of times it's our failures and our flesh and the hardships that we create or that other people have created in our lives that really spur us on, just like the Peter example Ben just said, spur us on 
to realize and where our eyes are open to where we're like, hey, I cannot be God. I cannot figure this out. I can't figure out what the best way to live life is. And so it creates that dependence. It creates that intimacy with God. And in my own personal experience, it's been one of the most rewarding, I don't want to say exercises or whatever, you know, but (laughs) times in my life is where I've actually looked at the ways that I've failed or people have failed me and those impacts that they've had in my life that I've done. And to know that I'm still accepted and to know that I'm still loved has been the most rewarding and freeing and intimacy building thing that could ever happen to me. And so that's what we're inviting you guys into is just this understanding of we don't want to drum up the past just to drum up the past. We are doing this with the sole goal of you becoming more free and more intimate with the God of the universe. So with that said, how have you guys seen and what journey have you been on? Obviously, the Spirit is the one who reveals flesh to us in a loving and kind way, but how has that journey been for you? What has he revealed to you? Give us some examples. Give us some stories. If I could summarize my flesh patterns, it's on two flagships or two mountains, and that is performance-based acceptance. I'm a perfectionist and Mm. a people pleaser. Mm. But as far as being a perfectionist right here today, I want to say everything wisely, well, articulately. I want this for, I don't want you to edit anything out I say, Ross. <laughs> and if I can't be per- perfect, then my standard is I want to be better than you guys. Oh, yeah. So I want what I put into this better than Ben's and Tom's and yours. And that's, that's just a, a battle you fight. Sure. Coming through that door, sitting in this chair, putting the headphones on and all that. The enemy is just wanting you to get all torqued up about that. And I can know now, just say this, this is not what this is about. For one thing, this is for your glory and to enjoy intimacy with you. And so the truth is I am perfect. Hebrews 10, 14, mm-hmm. he has perfected me and I am adequate and I don't need to gain acceptance of anybody, even myself or yours, God, through my performance. So I can tell myself that truth and make it through each step of this podcast by reclaiming that truth. Yeah. So how did that process how did you come to that revelation? How did you, was there a moment where the kind of the spirit revealed that to you? Was it, what was it exactly? The moment was going through this process of understanding the origin of these. Again, not to blame anything or be a victim of anything, but when I realized from a very early age, I was praised for doing well. Hmm. And almost everything I did was well. I never failed at anything until my marriage, 50 years later. And so as I did each thing well on the ball field or in the classroom, I got praised for it. And boy, I sure like praise. Yeah. So that just reinforced that mechanism, that habit to keep mm-hmm. on doing it and harder and better. And so what broke that camel's proverbial back? Like what, what kind of were the, where you finally saw the futility of that way of thinking? Yeah, realizing that uh, I am a failure. Well, I did fail because I wasn't a failure being a child of God, but in behaviors and choices that I made were very destructive. Mm-hmm. And so I had to come to that realization, though, that this system of living doesn't work. Yeah. And this mechanism I'm using doesn't work. And yeah. it took a lot of pain, but... That's how. Well, it's funny because, you know, like, as you're saying, we aren't failures because we're in Christ, mm-hmm. but we are failures at being God, right? <laughs> we, cannot, we cannot succeed at that, and that's why we have the dependence. And so, yes, I totally understand what you're saying. I shared in the uh, seventh podcast where we talked about the development of the flesh, how I sat down a few years ago and just started charting my own flesh. And that was very, very productive. But as I think back on times in my life, and I, and I also talked about in a former podcast that one of my biggest lies is I'm not good enough, I don't measure up, which in later years I've come to realize I also struggle with I'm not included, I'm not important. You know, all these lies that bring about the flesh patterns to cope with those lies. When I was a child, 
you know, I was the oldest of four. Dad was a pastor. He moved us from our home state to a different state to go to college. So we're living on this this college campus, and I want to fit in. I think I was a seventh grader at the time. I wanted to fit in with the other kids. I don't know any kid who doesn't want to fit in. But I was not confident. I'd already been struggling with those lies. Mm. Uh, but that year, they they intensified. So we're, we're out there all gathered up as a gang of kids on the playground, and someone says, let's play some baseball. Mm. So what do you got to do? You got to select two team captains, right? Mm. And the team captains stand there, and they start choosing their team up. Yeah. And it gets down to two people. Two people are left to be chosen, and I'm one of the two. Mm. And I'm about a head taller than the kid standing next to me. And so the next team captain, he chooses the little kid. Mm. And the other team captain says, no, I don't want him. See, Tom, I wouldn't have said that. (laughs) (laughs) That's so mean. (laughs) Oh, but he did. And so I remember standing there looking at the faces of the other kids, and they were like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad that's not me. (laughs) And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to run or cry or whatever. So in that moment, I thought, I'm going to pretend like this does not hurt, and I'm okay. So in that moment, you mm-hmm. developed a pattern. In that moment, I developed a pattern. And that became a lifelong pattern that mm-hmm. to this day I still struggle with. Yeah. I find myself, go, oh, no, I don't have to pretend. But I would pretend that nothing bothered me, and I would just keep plugging away. And, you know, I don't I didn't have the I would say the degree of perfectionist flesh that Mark described. But but yes, I want to do things right and do it with excellence. Uh, But I reverted to, well, if I can't do that, then I just won't do it at all. Hmm. So and, and, you know, you had that moment in seventh grade where you developed that flesh pattern. How did the process of God revealing that to you? Because obviously that's something like you said, you still struggle with, but you're aware of it. And as obviously there's been some growth in that, that God's brought you through to the awareness of it and been working in your life. So how has that process been? Sometimes very slow, (laughs) but it's always been awesome when I hear God pointed out to me. It's easier to hear it from him than it is to hear it from somebody else. Uh, Hmm. Because the enemy sometimes will, you know, use people to shame you, to guilt you. Hmm. But God never does that. And so when he reveals that to me, and I always know it's him because it's a very loving caring, peaceful voice. And when he reveals that to me, it changes me in that Mm -hmm. moment. Now, it doesn't make it go away forever. It doesn't mean I'm not going to pick the struggle up again tomorrow uh, because there will be a whole new event that comes up that brings it back to the surface. But God is very patient, and he's always just reminding me of what the truth is. Here's the lie, Tom, and here's the truth. Mm -hmm. You, You have a choice to believe the lie or believe the truth yeah of course my heart desires not to believe the lie i want to believe the truth yeah say this in the session, it doesn't have to be 
one or the other. In different areas, we can feel confident. In different areas, we can feel like we can't do it and uh, or we don't measure up, you know. So I may measure up over here, but over here I don't, you know. And, and thinking back in my story and different events of my life, I can think of times where I wasn't able to do stuff and I received criticism. My dad is a, he's a coach and he likes to coach and coaches <laughs> like to point out what you're doing and how you can do it better. And so there was interactions that I had that I can remember that left me feeling like I can't do it as good as dad. And in those areas that became just a deep feeling like I'm not good enough or I'm not worthwhile if I can't do it as good that good. Hmm. And so I, there's a deep sense of shame there too with not being able to do something as good. And what worked for me at the time was to withdraw hmm. and listen to music. So you know if I, if I had those feelings, I would usually go to my room, lock the door, and you can talk to my parents. They, they'll tell you, I locked my door a lot. I was in there by myself. They worried about me. Mm. I was in there listening to music. Sometimes I even cried by myself in mm. there. But that was just a real unhealthy way to withdraw like that. It's an unhealthy way to handle it, but that's the way that I did. So, you know, fast forward to when I get married and there's a conversation, and in the seventh podcast, I talked about money and the false beliefs that I had surrounding money and mm. the flesh patterns that happened because of the money. <laughs> but you, now yeah. you got another flesh pattern yeah. that, that's entering this idea of withdrawal. So when we would have conversations about money and she would say we didn't have enough money, my thought, what I would hear was, I don't measure up, I'm not a good mm. provider, yeah. And then kick in the flesh pattern, which is the pattern part of it. It becomes like an automatic response yeah. is to pull back. Mm. And the withdrawal. Yeah, just stop talking, yep. go to a different room. I remember we had a one-bedroom apartment when we first got married, and <laughs> there was not a lot of place to go. So when we were in this discussion and I was feeling bad, I said, I'm going to bed. And my wife, her flesh is to confront. We, I'm not okay if, if somebody's upset with me mm. or it's not working out. So yeah. we need to get this out and get <laughs> this done or I won't be okay. Right. And I'm like, I'm not okay, so I need to withdraw. And it was, mm. it was a big mess. We, I was like, I'm going to bed. And she's like, no, you're not. And I said, <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> and, uh, and we went and, and I went in bed and pulled the covers up over my head. And she's slamming doors and <laughs> flipping lights on. And it was just a big flesh battle, and none yeah. of neither of us were happy, yep. and we didn't understand what was going on. It wasn't until going through this process we both went through this and understand, you know, what was driving me to pull back is this feelings of shame and inadequacy that were being driven by a belief system that I didn't have what it takes. Mm -hmm. I'm not a good husband or whatever, which God says I'm adequate because you're adequate, not because of your own strength, but because of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. You have adequacy for every situation, whatever he calls you into. And so now having that truth, I have an option. It's still a possibility. This last week we had uh, our air conditioner went out and we just bought it three years ago. And I was supposed to, at the time, you have 90 days to fill out the extended warranty, register for the extended warranty. And so we go back and look at everything and I failed to apply for the extended warranty on this air conditioner, you know, and that message of 
stupid. How could you do that? Now that you now you're gonna have to pay for these parts and when you should have had the extended warranty if you would have just done it right. So those messages come to mind. But having gone through this and understanding how God works in this and how the truth renews us, mm-hmm. I don't have to walk down there. I don't have to lie. I don't have to hide it from my wife. I don't have to pull away mm-hmm. and do all these things that break down relationships. There's nothing that says I don't love you more that, to my wife than pulling away and giving her the silent treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, And that damages our relationship. But if I'm driven there because I got these feelings of inadequacy that rooted in a false belief that I'm not adequate, I don't have what it takes, mm. that's shame, consumed by shame, then I'll keep doing what I'm doing and keep getting devastating results in my relationship. Mm. So it's really been a powerful thing for me, even though it's hard to go there and think about these instances where I've believed lies and done inappropriate behavior damaging to other people. Mm. Well, it's interesting because all three of you, you know, as we've talked about this, this idea has come to mind is that if we don't take the time to look at our flesh, obviously the Lord is already doing that and he will continue to work in our lives. So it's not like it'll never happen, but it continues to hurt the relationships around us because flesh never brings life. All right. And I think that's a great motivator for people to really take this time to sit down with the Lord and do this is because it, more than anything, we, you know, we care about the people around us and we really <laughs> do, you know, and, and as Ben, you're talking about that, you know, it hurts marriages, it hurts families, it hurts parenting, it hurts, you know, any, any aspect of relationship that we have when we are acting out of the flesh, it breeds nothing but death. And so, you know, it's just, it's this idea of being willing to be honest and open and allowing God to bring that healing that all three of you have talked about, because although you're not perfect on, you know, in those lies that you have believed, you have gained the intimacy and the trust in who God is and who he says you are, which trumps the perfection that you want, Mark, or, you know, the adequacy that you guys are talking about. And, it's that intimacy that matters more. It's that relationship with God that matters more, not your performance, which is exactly where it should be. Now, these are the successes. These are the ways that you've seen this process help you and set you free and gain confidence and freedom in who you are. What are some of the ways that you have been most challenged and seen the hardest or there's, where it's just been difficult to do this? What roadblocks have you seen in your life to do this uh, process? Well, life happens in the now and when you're in a situation right now, there's emotional responses. Anytime you believe something, you're going to have an emotional response. And so when you're experiencing that extreme emotion, if you're used to making decisions based upon the emotion, it's hard to rein that in in the moment. Hmm. And so the challenge, even though I, I know the truth and I've been walking this for a long time, when I'm experiencing extreme emotion, in that moment, it's hard to, to embrace the truth and walk by the truth because the emotions there, it feels like it's a, another entity just pushing you forward in the wrong direction. It's not, but that's what it feels like. And so I would say that the emotions, for me, are one of the greatest challenges in believing the truth and recognizing the lie. 
Yeah, I agree with that, Tom. And one of my victories in all of this was being able to be, get in touch with my emotions. <laughs> and so now they're there right in front yeah. and quick and fast. But yes, I know the truth and I know what the right answer is and all that. But if the emotions are so strong, the anger, yep. the frustration, the hurt, the fear, then that's gonna that trumps, or I'd say it displaces what mm-hmm. the truth should places should have. And so when I would fail and fall into the wrong attitude or the the sinful fleshly behavior or thought, that's when I let my emotions rule. Yeah. Um, at least they're in the game again. That's yeah. good. That's <laughs> yeah. an invitation to inv- intimacy. But another one for me is, and I'm usually willing to go there, but I'm, I continue to realize the pervasiveness of the flesh. Mm. Just when I've gained freedom from this set of doors, I realize I'm just on my way to another set. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, 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 hand, I, I found victory in this room but I've got to go over to that room mm. <laughs> or it's to a level. And I realize, really, yeah. is that still God? <laughs> and then I realize, serenity, yes, let me, let me go there. I yeah. need to find out what's going on here. Mm. Yep. You know, I think for me is just believing, believing the truth before I can even go there. I have to believe the truth and it combats the shame. And I think there's something deep in me that wants to feel competent and capable and that, you know, don't have struggles so there can be denial there, and that's rooted in the shame, I think. So stepping more and more, you know, I'm more on my identity in Christ than I've ever been in my life, and mm. but it's continual growth in that and hearing God's voice the loudest, I think, for me. Yeah. One of the, and regarding the emotions, uh, and I, I feel like I need to say this for those out there listening, the goal is not to shut your emotions down. It's mm. not to say, oh, I can't feel this way. And that's what a lot of people are really working toward is, mm. I don't like feeling this way, so I've got to do something to not feel this way. Yeah. And that's not the goal at all. The goal is to believe the truth and experience intimacy with God. And if you take your focus off of trying to change your emotions and put it on listening and believing the truth, your emotions, they'll catch up. Hmm. They'll catch up with that action, with that choice yeah. that you make. It's a life of faith. It's, it's a life, life of yeah. faith, yeah. which deals with belief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, that's what pleases God. Well, and what we would say around here, emotions are a gift from God, mm-hmm. which I didn't used to think, though. Even, think so. Even the unpleasant ones, it's your check engine light on your dashboard, which you probably heard in this podcast. But it's an invitation to intimacy. Yep. And I, I've learned yeah. to invite God into that emotion, yeah. the hurt, the pain, whatever. Get in here with me. Help me discover where this comes from. Yeah, yeah. it's one of the most, uh, the quickest ways to respond with what's going on mm. here is when you have negative emotions because it's so in your face mm. that it's one of those things that God has continued to work in all of us is that when we have those negative emotions, the immediate response can be, God, why am I feeling this way? What lies mm. am I believing? And I think another roadblock that I've experienced and seen in a lot of people's lives and talking about this is that a lot of our beliefs that we cling to that are lies, a lot of the things that we have built our personal view, worldview on were formulated when we're kids, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you're a kid, you hold on to something and then just because we're human and it's the way life works, but that just sticks with us, right? And so it's something that that's why all of us have different and unique flesh patterns is because when we were each kids, we each heard different lies And in that, you know, I think it's difficult to, not impossible, but it's difficult to change something that you've believed for decades, potentially, you know, that started from the first time you can have a memory, and yet God's the one, obviously, who can do it. 
God's the one who can change that. And, you know, there's a biological aspect to it of actually changing the way that your mind is working and thinking, but even more so a spiritual aspect of that where God actually has to reveal the truth to you in such a way that it, it trumps the emotions you have, the mm-hmm. lies you've been leaving, and sets you free. And I think that freedom in a lot of ways, when people get a taste of that, they actually want to do this more and more. You actually want to explore more of your flesh because, not all the time, but you want to explore more of your flesh because there's that freedom that God is offering you when you allow him to destroy the strongholds that Satan has set up in your life. It doesn't bother me now to go through that exercise. Like, I am I want to. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I want to see what was tripping me yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, I think that's another thing that can get in the way of, of a lot of Christians. Maybe they're still thinking that they're trying to do things to gain God's favor. Mm. And so understanding this righteousness that we have is a gift. Yep. This process and isn't about doing better so that we get more favor from God. Yeah. That frees us also from doing this to try to get something. It's mm-hmm. really about it's really about mind renewal. Mm-hmm. And God that's God's goal. You know, I've never counted the times Jesus said to his disciples, Where's your faith? Or you mm-hmm. little yeah. faith? You know, yeah. he, that's what he was looking for is faith and belief mm-hmm. in the truth yeah. in him. So this may be uh we obviously kind of ended it this way all the time, but this may be an easy question, but how does this process help you see Jesus more clearly and grow that relationship? Well, this has been a, a recent revelation for me. It started the last Tuesday night when our students shared their stories with each other. Mm. And Bo Berzina kept bringing out this truth. But um, I always looked at exploring my flesh. If you're looking at the, the living in Jesus progress as a, a train and it's going down the track and we're just picking up cars as we go down it, we get to session 15 and I, I look at that as a spur. Mm. Okay, this is just a kind of an add-on or a bolt-on or it's mm. just disjointed. We need to do this. But no, it's really the pathway to intimacy. The more you understand those yeah. things that are blocking intimacy. Right. So the focus of this is just Jesus and his victory, his freedom, and then uh, enjoying his relation, a relationship with him. Mm. So that's really been yeah. a recent wow for me. That's good. Well, in 1 Corinthians 13, where he talks about the different aspects of love, you know, one of them is holds no record of wrongs, mm-hmm. believes the best, okay, hopes the best. Well, this is an actual practice of that love. When mm. you're allowing the, the Father to expose those lies to you, you're discovering in that moment of that exercise that love. Mm. There is no record of wrong. There is no, there, mm. He is believing the best. Yeah. He's hoping the best. That's great. Yeah. yeah, and even though Jesus never had any flesh patterns, he never gave into the flesh. He was tempted in mm-hmm. every way. Yeah. You know, And so he understands what it's like to be tempted to walk after the flesh. Yeah. And also he knows how to overcome the flesh by depending on this life of the father through the spirit. And he's the one that can do it. And and he's the one that lives in us. And I think when I think about that too, it's not us trying to overcome our flesh. It's not only can he expose it, but he empowers us not to walk after it in the moment when our emotions are high, like Tom was saying. Mm. It's his life in us that actually overcomes the flesh. And it's his truth that we need to expose our false beliefs. So it's all him working in and through us, and it's about a love relationship, Mm. as these guys have said. Mm. Well, you know, as we conclude here, I just had this thought came to my mind where, you know, we talked about Peter earlier and his denial and 
his flesh patterns and stuff like that. And it's amazing to see God's or Jesus's personal response to him, you know, on the beach after they were fishing and asking Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. You know, and I, I just, I've thought about that passage a lot, how this applies to our flesh and this process. And I think God's asking us, do you love me? Mm. Right. And, and we can feel condemnation in that. Well, I don't know. I might not love him enough. I failed. But I think what Jesus might actually be saying, if I could go this far as saying, I know you love me. I'm trying to remind you, listen, I love you. You love me. We're in this together. This is a relationship that's not built on your performance. This is not a relationship where you better do your part and do it perfectly. And then I'll love you. No, I love you. My sacrifice was enough. There's no barrier left. There's no condemnation. It is you and me in this process, no matter what. And and that I think can give us this beautiful picture of God's love and acceptance of us, no matter what we've done. I mean, and, mm. you know, there's probably people listening whose stories, you know, mm. are very serious. And I mm. think it's the idea is there's nothing too serious. There's nothing too grave. There's nothing too bad that Jesus didn't die for, that he didn't repair that bridge, come and live inside you. And so that there's that intimacy that is there waiting for you with this process of handing over those strongholds to God and experiencing his love for you and his acceptance of who you are. So, guys, thank you so much for your discussion. Thank you for this time. I really appreciate it, and we will see you next week. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, Ross. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Next week, we will discuss two major themes in the believer's life, brokenness and surrender. Both of these topics are central to living a grace-filled life and will teach us to depend more intently on the Spirit. The Living in Jesus podcast is a production of Christian Families Today and is produced and edited by Ross O'Hare and Ben Brezina. Christian Families Today is a nonprofit discipleship counseling, coaching, and training ministry focused on equipping men, women, and children in how to build biblically healthy lives and families. You can visit our website at cftministry.org to find this podcast, information about the Living in Jesus study, and other free content. If you were encouraged by this podcast, it would really mean a lot to us if you would take a minute and leave us a review. This podcast and all our free content is made available because of the generosity of people just like you from around the world. Until next week, thank you and God bless.